Amen. That was a blessing, isn't it? Thank you, Sister Angie, for uh, singing for the glory of God and advance happy birthday to you and to all our uh, birthday celebrants for the month of uh, February. And uh, God is good, and I'm one of them. So thank you so much, Church, for all your um, greetings. Um, I'm glad I was born in the month of February, all right? Sakto, sakto lang. Hindi sobra, sobra. All right. <coughs> I'll not argue anymore, but uh, it's a blessing to, um, you know, celebrate your birthday. Uh, as we always do here in our church, we recognize the birthday celebrants at the end of our service because uh, we give thanks to God, isn't it, for another year of life. We know um, people die every uh, second. <laughs> also, people are born every moment so um, every day is such a tremendous gift from God and um, we know that we are still existing um, we are thriving we can still serve the Lord and know God and serve others because of his grace so when we have our physical birthday uh, we ought to give thanks to God and also uh, remember our spiritual birthday because the best kind of uh, birth is our second birth amen our spiritual birth our um, being born again from above and uh, thank God for all the greetings and all um, what God has uh, blessed me with uh, I'm so undeserving and unworthy you know um, I always mention this uh, our faith uh, our family our friends our church family is such a great blessing from God so it's all because of him that we are here today and um, since it's uh, uh, a special day today because it's Sunday, it's the Lord's Day, and we are glad to be in God's house, amen? And we are not providentially hindered today, and uh, I'm excited to continue our series of study in the book of Romans. I don't know about you, but I've, I've been enjoying um, the messages, the lessons that we've been studying in the book of Romans. So if you have your Bibles with you, and if you're able, as we always do, as uh, we give honor and uh, reverence to the Word of God. Uh, let's all stand to our feet and read Romans chapter 1. I think this is the fourth message that we have in this study. <clears throat> we'll try to uh, study uh, chronologically in these uh, passages of scriptures and uh, try to do it uh, verse by verse. But it's so much to cover, so sometimes, uh, like this one that we're having have today, uh, we'll be reading from verses, uh, we'll start from verses 16 all the way to 32. So we'll try to finish this chapter today. Uh, we speak about uh, not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ last Sunday, uh, if you recall. And uh, also we had given uh, the introduction of this book. And uh, I'll be a little bit serious today because the, the, top, the topic, the title of our message is entitled The Only Sin. So we'll talk about sin. And we know uh, the basic definition of sin is missing the mark. Missing the mark. It's like uh, an archer, you know. You have a target and there's a bull's eye, you know. And you're supposed to aim on that bull's eye. And we as human beings, because we are sinners, isn't it? As the Bible declares, by nature and by choice, we all miss the mark of God's standard. We all had disobeyed, isn't it? We all had rebelled against a righteous and a holy God. So the only sin today is to call sin, sin, actually. As we live in modern-day America and all across the world, 
The only sin today is the call sin, sin. So here in this passive scripture, it's a very uh, actually graphic and very uh, strong words from the scripture warning us against the consequences and the judgment of God against sin. So we'll be reading, uh, we'll read the good news, good news first, the good thing about the gospel verses 16 all the way to 32. So if you're there, say a hearty amen, all right? And please let's read it all together unto the Lord and let's read this with understanding. And I know whenever we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, uh, the reading of God's word already is a blessing. So I also encourage our virtual uh, war church, our onlineers to uh, read with us. So let's begin verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that they which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God had shewed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their woman did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the man, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. May the Lord bless the reading and meditation of his word. Let's look to him in prayer. Father God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the scriptures. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible that we read today, that your word never changed, that your precepts and principles are settled forever in heaven. And thank you, Lord, that we have 
not just the love letter from God, but there's also these uh, rules and regulations and uh, standards and warning against the things that can hurt us, the things that can defile us. So we pray, Father, that you once again uh, be merciful to us, Lord. Um, forgive us from our sins, our uh, trespasses, our iniquities that we've done against you. You are such a majestic God, holy, righteous, and just. And we are sinners, Lord. We are imperfect and frail and uh, infirmities reside upon our hearts. So we ask for your cleansing, Lord, forgiveness. Cover us with your precious blood. Wash away our sin. And we uh, claim that promise that if we confess our sins before you, thou art faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for the power of the blood of Christ Jesus that was shed for our behalf on the cross, who is also in the throne room of God to remind us that we have an advocate. We have a propitiation for our sins, our Redeemer, Savior, Jesus Christ. So keep us safe, Lord. We're having this Bible study, this worship, and bless our brethren, our uh, uh, friends who are here inside the four pillars of this church and also for those that are watching with us virtually. Lord, meet our spiritual need. Uh, bind the works of the enemy of Satan in our midst today, and may we have understanding hearts and listening ears, for we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all be seated. Thank you. As I said, uh, the only sin today is to call sin, sin. Uh, sa Tagalog, pag maraming sin, maasin. Alright? Uh, now, just kidding. Uh, if we call sin, sin today, you are labeled as intolerant. Uh, remember the word intolerant, and the opposite of the word intolerant is to be tolerant. We live in an age of tolerance, isn't it? Uh, and they use that um, word tolerant. You, know, you need to be accepting, tolerant of any other people's belief because they use the virtue of love. You ought to accept things that are not from the Word of God, that's opposite from the Word of God, in the label, in the virtue of love. But as we will study, especially in our love banquet here in our church about, of course, our topic will be love. What is true love? What is real love? What is the truth about love? And we have great passages in Scripture like 1 Corinthians 13, isn't it? that characterizes, that explains to us what true love is. What are the nature of God's love? We know it's unconditional, it's sacrificial, it's eternal, it's immeasurable, but you know, um, the, the secular world also uses the word love, that virtue love or charity, to try to justify, isn't it? Their lifestyle, their thinking. So if you Call sin today sin, then you are labeled as intolerant. And they say, a man may be sick, but he's not sinful. He may be weak, but not wicked. He may be ill, but not evil. And even if I or you were to tell that person, that people, what they're doing is wrong, they would say they do it because they have an excuse of doing it. It would be the environment that they blame for, it would be their genetics, you know? You no, know, my uh, great-great-grandfather is a drunk. 
an addict, so I can't help it. It's in my genes. I'm also the same way, you know. But thanks be to God. God has the power to free you from the slavery, the bondage, the chains of sin. Amen? It doesn't mean that grandpa was like that. You'll become like that. The cycle can be broken. The chains can be broken because God's power is so great. He can give victory over that sin. So what did they use to blame or excuse their sin? The environment, the, the genetics, they, they also blame ignorance. I didn't know. Ignorance. But nobody just wants to be blamed or be accountable. Well, we're going to learn something today about the wrath of God or the judgment of God. You know, Deuteronomy 4.24, the Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12.29 also declare our God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. Jealous in a way of righteous jealousy, not the kind of human jealousy, isn't it? Because for us, human jealousy is evil, envy, isn't it? It's evil for us. But when it God, the Word of God says God is a jealous God, it means God is the only one deserving of worship and recognition and utmost reverence. Because there's supposed to be no other God besides Jehovah God. That's why the first commandment is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Amen? Remember? The commandments given to Moses, the Decalogue, the moral law, the first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me because man will tend to worship other gods than the real God. Because there's a built-in vacuum, emptiness in our heart that we will look for a superior being that we want to worship, we want to admire and be in awe. But God is saying there's only one true living God and that is God himself, Jehovah. So uh, the Bible also says in... Uh, Matthew chapter four, 5, verse 48, that our God is a holy God, isn't it? And also 1 Peter 1, 15, it says there, Be holy, for I am holy. Titus chapter 2, 11, it declares there the righteousness of God, that one of the, the, the nature, the attribute of who God is that separate Him from men is that He is utmost holy, righteous and just, isn't it? Because he's a perfect God. He is totally holy. That's why we see in verse 18 of Romans chapter 1, for the wrath of God is revealed. The wrath of God. Now we hear about the love of God and God is love. Amen? That's always good to hear. God's love is infinite. It's boundless. It's measureless love. We have great songs like the love of God and even what the choir had sung this morning, the love of Christ. Yeah, True, the nature of God he is that He is the source of true love. God is a God of love. But this God of love is also a God of wrath. And when you love righteousness, you will hate sin. Amen? And God right, loves righteousness. So, in other terms, He hates also sin. It's like, to illustrate, it, to illustrate this, the doctor who loves your health. Do you have a good doctor here today? Or he always makes you wait in the waiting room, you know? Or cancel your appointments, or he's back down with his schedule. But if you have a good doctor who's concerned about your health, your well-being, a doctor who loves health also hates, at the same time, microbes and germs and virus that can make you sick, isn't it? And for a person who loves their children, you love your children, but you hate child abuse. Just makes sense, isn't it? 
So you see, you cannot love a God without also having a God of wrath. You cannot have a God of love without also having a God of wrath. And if you just take the love of God, you only have half of the story. God is not a half-baked God. God is complete. God is always whole. Now, God is love. But when you, we have here, take half of the truth and try to make half of the truth, all of the truth, then that half of the truth becomes untruth because you've distorted it and it's not balanced. That's a good statement, isn't it? About who God really is. You know? Because this is what's happening right now. We hear something, an ideology, a belief system, seems like the truth. But truth mixed with error, amen? Truth mixed with half that is untruth becomes, becomes corrupted and becomes untruth. That's one of the devil's scheme or design to deceive men. He will mix truth with error. He will actually even twist the truth. So that's why we have visitors that come to our houses on a Saturday morning, knock on your door, and they will present you some literatures about family, about your well-being, about the love of God. So they mix truth with error until you get hooked in, you get deceived, and then later on you will find out in their belief system that they even believe that Jesus and the devil are half-brothers. But they will not say that to you in the get-go because they want you to be hooked up first because they will try to present the truth just half or side of the truth but not the whole truth. And that's not true love, isn't it? True love loves truth because truth will set us free. Amen? So, verse 18 says, The wrath of God. God's burning anger against sin. Alright? God's burning anger against sin. And God is such a holy and righteous God that He will not tolerate sin. Alright? As I said a while ago, sin is missing the mark and we all had missed the mark. Amen? We all come short of the glory of God. So, it says there, that we are without excuse at the end of verse 20. There's one thing that God will not accept for sin, that is an alibi or excuse. But the good news, He will accept confession. Amen? And He will grant forgiveness. He will forgive, but He will not accept excuse. So, three steps to sin in our text quickly today. Step number one, why the wrath of God was Revealed to them, you know. First is man's willful self-determination. We can find that in verse 31. They want to get rid of the thought of God. Step number two is man's wicked self-deception. Verse 18, it says there, they suppress the truth or hold the truth in unrighteousness. So he blinds himself and thus he deceives himself. Verse 22 to 25 also declare that. Then number three, not only that, Man's willful self-determination and wicked self-deception, it boils down at the end, man's woeful self-destruction. If there's deception, there will be some destruction, which is very 
sad. So, first let's talk about the wrath of God. From verses 18 of chapter 1 all the way to verses uh, chapter 3 to 20, after Paul the apostle introduced the righteousness which comes from God, as the Bible says, the righteousness is, uh, has come from God. It's revealed through Jesus Christ from faith to faith, isn't it? It's faith, God's righteousness that was imputed to us, given to us because of the righteousness of Jesus. And we always say this, when Christ came into this world, he did not come as a 33-year-old Messiah ready to die on the cross in a week, isn't it? He came as a normal human being. He went through all the stages of being conceived, of course, supernaturally, through the miracle of the Holy Ghost, to a virgin as a fulfillment of prophecy. So he was conceived. He humbled himself. God Almighty who created the whole world, who's the center of worship and admiration in heaven, allowed himself to go to a, a virgin's womb for more than nine months. Be reduced to a single cell where there's darkness, and he allowed himself to be in total humility. He, he took the form of a servant, of the likeness of man, incarnation, God was made in the flesh so he could become an infant, a baby, a toddler, a teenager, and become a man. Why? Because he has to obey and fulfill all righteousness. He has to obey all the commands and laws that man can never obey that comes from God. So because he lived to be a perfect human being, but still susceptible to problems and trials and sufferings that we normal human will experience. So when we pray to Jesus, he becomes our high priest and he can relate. He can understand to us what we're going through because he doesn't just know it because he's God, but he personally experienced it. Amen? So Christ has to go through all of that, temptations and trials and sufferings, and at the same time, live a perfect life. Obey all the law. Obey all righteousness. So when we accept him, amen, his blood does not just you know, forgive us from our sins, push away our condemnation, bring us to heaven. But when God the Father looks at us, He will allow us to enter heaven because we have the righteousness of Jesus in us. So you see, when you accept Jesus by faith, it's not just your sins were forgiven, you're now going to escape hell and you're going to heaven. But right now, there's more than that. Amen? Now, you ought to live for the glory of of God. Because Jesus now is in you. Amen? His righteousness now is in you. His new nature now is in you that will help you live, you know, a holy life, a righteous life, a life that's pleasing to God. And when you die, when you go to heaven, God will receive you. Not because of your own righteousness, but because of that what we call imputed, given righteousness of Jesus. That's why he has to live for 33 and a half years. Fulfill all righteousness, obey the law. So those things that we cannot do, we can do it in the power of Jesus. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? That, oh man, uh, you know, being saved is not just not ending up in hell forever. But being saved is more than that. We are being conformed to the image of Jesus. That's why a true saved individual, a true saved Christian will have changes in their lives. The Bible says, when you really got saved, genuinely saved, you have a new nature. You are made a new creature. There will be changes, good changes. There will be an effect of that salvation, that love of God that you receive. So a man can claim, oh, I said this sinner's prayer 10, 20 years ago. Oh, I went to an altar. But if there's no change, amen, 
you still live the same way as you've been living. No desire for the things of God, never been to church, never shared your faith, no fruits of the Holy Spirit, you can claim all you want. Amen? But for me personally, in the light of God's word, only God knows the heart, but that's a questionable faith. Because real faith grows. Real faith can be sin. Amen? That's why James said, show me your faith by your works. He's not saying you'll be saved by your works. But if there's an evidence of real faith, by good works. Amen? Because the salvation that we have, the root cause is always faith. But there's a fruit for our salvation. So here, the righteousness of God was given to us. It was revealed. But we see here that in that righteousness, if it is rejected, then the wrath of God will be there. This wrath of God is not an impulsive outburst of anger aim capriciously at people whom God does not like. It is the settled, determined response of a righteous God against sin. It's a determined response of a righteous God against sins. That's what the word or the phrase rod of God means here. And we have a lot of reference here. I don't have time to go. Psalms 22 verse 5, verse 12, Psalms 45 verse 7. And it says there, the righteousness or the wrath of God is revealed. Or more accurately, is constantly revealed. This is not some futuristic time in the great tribulation. But it says, therefore, the right wrath of God is revealed. This is being constantly revealed, and we will see later when it is revealed in the Bible. You know, to reveal uh, simply means to uncover, make visible, or to make known. So God's wrath, God revealed this wrath in two ways. All right, take note. First one is indirectly, indirectly, through the natural consequences of violating his universal moral law. There are natural consequences. You'll see that indirectly. But also, second way he revealed it is directly, through his personal intervention. That's why we have the Old Testament that records it. You know, from the sentence passed from Adam and Eve when they sinned, before God, all the way to the worldwide flood, remember? In the days of Noah, real global flood because of a direct intervention of God, because of his wrath against sin, from the fire and brimstone that leveled Sodom and Gomorrah, and also for his wrath that was revealed to the Babylonians in their uh, captivity. It clearly displays this kind of intervention. But I believe the most graphic and revelation of God's holy wrath and hatred against sin was when he poured out his divine wrath in the person of Christ while he was hanging on the cross. That's why when you sang that hymn, you know, the old ragged cross, do you feel some hint of, you know, God's wrath against sin and God's righteousness, you know, met up on the cross of Calvary, isn't it? Mercy and God's judgment met up on the cross in the person of Jesus Christ. But that's the most clear uh, demonstration of God's wrath against sin when he poured it on that innocent son of God named Jesus Christ. All because he loves us. Amen? And God's mercy and justice has to be satisfied. So it was the most graphic revelation of God's holy wrath against sin when Christ was on the cross. And quickly, let me give you 
God has various kinds of wrath. All right? When we talk about the wrath of God, first is the what we call the eternal wrath of God, which is hell. Eternal wrath of God, which is hell. Secondly, eschatological wrath. All right? Eschatological wrath, which is the final day of the Lord, his judgment against sin uh, in the final day of the Lord. There's what we call also the cataclysmic wrath, like the flood and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. There's also what we call consequential wrath, all right? Which is the principle of sowing and reaping, amen? That's still true today. What you sow, you will reap, amen? If you, reap, if you sow bad things, you will also reap bad things. It's not karma, amen? It's just the natural law of God. Consequential wrath, the principle of sowing and reaping. And then also the faithful one, the wrath of abandonment, which is removing strength and letting these people go to their sins and letting them have the consequences of their sins. So this is wrath of abandonment. This is the one that we're going to talk today. That's happening here in the verses that we read. So let's go quickly to the first step. The step number one, man's willful self-determination. You know, they want to get rid of the thought of God. Look at verse 21. Because that, what is that? When they knew God. Remember we studied God gave this moral compass, God gave this revelation, this truth to every man that's born into this world, that there is a God in heaven. What are those two witnesses? Creation, the outward, and conscience, the inward revelation and the reason that there is a God in heaven who created. All right? So a, a pagan who looks at the skies, the stars, the moon, the sun, the plants, the trees, nature, will have this inclination of this truth whispered, written in the law of their hearts that, oh, these things did not come into existence by itself. It did not just, hola, there it is. If there is a creation, there is a creator, isn't it? If there is a design, there is a designer, amen? So it, it, it doesn't take so much faith to believe that, isn't it? It takes more faith to believe that everything happens by chance and randomness. Like this wristwatch that's not really real but fake, amen? <laughs> if you take it out of its hundreds of its, you know, pieces and put it in a can and I say, okay, by chance if I shake this in a day, it will come out to a functioning wristwatch. What do you think is the possibility of that happening? Oh, let's say, say a thousand years, I'll shake it. Oh, maybe we need more time. Maybe a million years. Do you think it will appear like this before functioning? Will I be able to tell you the time and the date? No, that's an impossibility. You see, it takes more faith to believe that everything that we see happens by chance. But it's biblical faith, reasonable faith, not a blind faith, to believe that there is a designer, a creator, an intelligent, all-powerful God that put everything into its place and actually created them not only, but hold them into their place, sustain them. Isn't it? It's better understanding to believe that. And that's what the Bible plainly teach. But how come people are ignoring that, rejecting it? To hold the truth of the righteousness written in their law of their hearts. Why? Because 
of sinful, willful self-determination that they want to get rid of the thought of God. Because we say, because when they knew God, they know there's God. He existed. They knew because of the witness of the conscience and creation. It says that they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. They're not thankful that they were created. They were put on earth. What if you were created and you were thrown by God in Mars? How can you survive? There's no oxygen there. There's not nowhere to plant, isn't it? So just, just perfectly and intelligently put you in earth. The only blue planet, living planet. So you can survive and flourish, isn't it? It says there, they were not thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. See, remember God gives every man light. But if you reject the light of the witness of creation and conscience, then that light will be darkened. will be more blinder and darker in our understanding. And then you start professing yourselves to be wise that in the eyes of God you are really a fool. Because the Bible says the fool had said in his heart, there is no God. So number two, man's wicked self-deception. So if he willfully self-determined, there's no God. I'm not accountable to him. I just want to live by myself. Whatever I think is right is right. You know, then you will be deceived. You will hold the truth in unrighteousness in verse 18. And verses 22 to 25, you will now profess yourself to be wise, but you are a fool, and you have changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to a corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, what's going to happen when that happens? God also will give them up to uncleanness through lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You see the progression? When you still willfully determine to get rid of the thought of the truth of God, then you will deceive yourself because now you suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You blind yourself and then comes the destruction. Man's woeful self-destruction. And it comes in several stages. First of all, people who turn from God almost always become sexually perverted. All right? Sexually perverted. Verses 26 and 27. It says there, for this cause. What is that cause? Well, let's go back to verse 25. They change, it says there, the truth of God unto a lie. And worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. Vile affections. Now, what is he talking about when he says vile affection? We read it a while ago from verses 26 to 28. God gave them over to a debased mind or a reprobate mind or a decadent mind. Pagan mind na po. Talagang madilim na ang pag-iisip. Now, what God is talking here in verses 26 to 28, as we know, you know, uh, this is talking about the sin of sodomy and the sin of moral perversion. Notice how God calls this sin. Amen? Not an alternative lifestyle. You know, I'll get a lot of uh, <coughs> red flag here, YouTube and, and comments probably, but, you know, we have to Preach the word, amen? Preach the truth, nothing but the truth, because we are accountable to him. How, notice in the Bible how God calls this sin. 
Actually, he begins up in verse 24. He calls it uncleanness. Then he calls it lust. Then he calls it dishonor in verse 24. Then in verse 26, he calls it vile affections. Also in verse 26, he calls it against nature. Isn't it? Man to man, woman to man. Ngayon nga, ang dami na eh. You know? Hindi lang homosexuality. LGBTQRST. Ang dami na. Ngayon, yung iba so confused, they don't even know what they are. None. Binary. You know? So, it's getting perverted and perverted, confused and confused. And that's the devil's design, isn't it? That's the devil's thinking because he doesn't want you to believe any truth. Amen? Yeah. Just like, oh, what am I? You know? And then you slip into hell and perish, isn't it? When the Bible plainly teaches there is two gender, amen? Male and female, God's design. It's good for us to know the truth. But this is the world we're living in, isn't it? So it says there, verse 27, it is now unseemly. Amen? So nagprogress Over in the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, we know what the Bible says. I did not say this. It's God who said it. Amen? He gave us these commandments because he knows what's good for us. Because if we disobey God's natural law, it will end up very bad for us. There's very bad consequences, isn't it? That's why there's this sickness that's, that had the... Uh, Come out out of all this unseemly and uh, unreal and abnormal, isn't it? Relationship, we know it is. All these uh, diseases, uh, deadly diseases, dying diseases because of this sin. So Leviticus eighteen twenty two. Uh, I remember there was a, a missionary who had this bumper sticker verse in his car, and he went to the northeast, especially in Massachusetts when it was first legalized. And he get hung on and cursed on <laughs> because of that Bible verse. Because it's the truth, isn't it? It says that thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. So is it an abomination during this time? Is it still an abomination in God's eye during our time? It is, isn't it? Because it's what the Word of God says. All right? So I've been amazed as I read those who want to practice this perversion. Some of the fancy footwork... They've done to try to explain away the plain meaning of God's word. As a matter of fact, the explosion of sexual perversion that we've seen today is one of the great signs that we're living in the latter end of the last days and that we're ripe for judgment. Our Lord said in Luke 17, verses 26 to 30, uh, let's turn to another verse here, Luke 17, verse 26 to 30. Jesus is the one speaking here, amen? Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, or Noah. We know who Noah is. The one who built the ark for the salvation of men. Eight souls. So shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Then again likewise also, as in one of the days of Lot. The Lot, okay? Lot. So likewise, so the days of Noah, they're doing all this, let's say it looks like normal things. They just drink, they just eat, they just marry wives. But the Bible says in the days of flood, what they're doing in the days of Noah, they were also doing in the days of flood. That God has to judge that city of Sodom and Gomorrah with total destruction. Like real asteroids and meteors and probably comet raining down from heaven to destroy 
the unrepentant sin and vile wicked ways of the people in Sodom. Remember when there were angels that appeared to Lot? Remember uh, way back the story of Abraham and Lot? Lot was Abraham's nephew, isn't it? And then God is blessing Lot and Abraham. They have no more room for their blessings, their harvest, their cattle. And Abraham said to Lot, you know, there's this land, choose. And if Lot is just a good moral sense, he will let his uncle, in respect, choose first what land he wants, isn't it? But he chose what he wants and disregard the status of Abraham. So he chose the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, which is toward that city. And we know Lot is a same person, but he's a carnal, we call Christian, worldly Christian, isn't it? So he placed his family to the influence of the world. And not only that, we know later on that he became an official of that sinful city because he's now standing in the gates. So it was his fault. He brought his family to a place. So this is a lesson for us, amen? When we move, when we go and settle to a different place, let's always see, huh, guys, that we bring our families close to God. In a, in, a, in, a town, in a place where there's a church that believes the Bible and preach the Bible. Because we live in a confused world, sinful world. If we will go to a place, oh yeah, the pay is good there. The house is bigger. You know, the taxes are lower. But there's no Bible witness, Bible preaching. No more moral compass in that area. We're just like looking and acting like Lot. Isn't it? Putting ourselves into trouble in the future. Because you cannot live without God and his word and his family and his fellowship in this world, isn't it? So Lot did the opposite, you know. He bypassed Abraham. He, he chose that place and, and God has to judge that place. And God sent the angel in the form of men. And look at the sins of the men of Sodom. They want to lie. They want to sleep with these angels because the angels are good looking guys, no? They're more handsome than Richard Gomez, you know, and stuff like that. But they are so evil and wicked in their eyes. They want like, and they even want to like, you know, destroy Lot's home, isn't it? Because, oh, these are my guests. He senses that they are from heaven. He doesn't want to, and he even offered his daughters, other daughters, just to be abused by these wicked men. And then God has to judge them. Remember the story? He smote them with blindness. So that's the, the, the moral condition of the, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're so perverted. All right? Just like the days of Noah. So is the days of Lot. So he went out of Sodom. It rained far and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus it shall be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Likewise, verse 28, in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. All right? But there was great sexual perversion during that time. As was in the days of Lot. You will remember Lot. And we remember Lot's wife too, isn't it? Who turned because she loved what she experienced, the worldly affairs. That she has to turn and look back. And God has to judge her instantly, became a pillar of salt. What a scary, sad story in the Bible, isn't it? But still, God was merciful, amen, to Lot. He spared him. And his two daughters. But actually after that, another tragic things happened. So, Lot, you will remember, live in the society that had glorified sodomy. 
and sexual perversion, and God destroyed ancient Sodom with fire and brimstone. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. Kala nyo, uh, make-up story lang yan. When we were in Israel, we were put in a place uh, where the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah were. And they always make fun of this. This is Lot's wife. See that pillar of salt? <laughs> and they put a sign, Lot's wife. Oh, my. All right? Just a reminder that when we turn our back against God, there are consequences, isn't it? Bad consequences. Look, he turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them with an overthrow, making them an example. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by God because of this sexual perverted abomination to make an example to those who should after live ungodly. God left Sodom with its smoking ruins as an example. But you know what? The only thing we learn from history is that sometimes, or oftentimes, we repeat history. Are you sensing that sort of it's happening in America? So I have to pray for the Lord to be merciful. The only thing we learn from history is that we don't learn anything from history. Some say that's not like America. Sodom was pervert in a wild animal-like society. They live like wild beasts. Huh? Really? Look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 48. Ezekiel 16, 48. Behold, the Bible says, this was the iniquity of thy sister, Sodom. Look at the sins. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Huh? They were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. So, notice what the Bible says. God said they were full of bread. Sounds like America, isn't it? Kind of uh, plenty. They were full of idleness. Marami pong idols sa America. Diba? Living off from the government. You know? Welfare and stuff like that. Just want to be having this entitlement mindset. Yeah? Alright? They were, there was prosperity in the land, but they were proud and haughty. They strutted. They were proud of their sin. Sounds like this nation, isn't it? So sin that used to slink down the back alleys now struts down main streets. You know? I said I will get comments or letters for this blessed preaching calling me a bigot, isn't it? But if it's in the Bible, you need to take your argument before God. We are honor bound to preach God's word. You see, folks, a nation that cannot distinguish about moral perversion is a nation on its last legs before the judgment. That's why I heard a lot of preachers, I was watching online videos, you know, since the pandemic, one of the verses of scripture that's always being preached is about First Chronicles, when if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. You know, they're praying and looking for revival. But Nowadays, uh, it says there like there's some coldness and indifference that happened across the churches in America since the time of pandemic until right now. All right, that's why a nation who cannot distinguish about moral perversion is a nation on its last legs. And I heard them saying America is a post-Christian nation now, post-Christian nation. Look at Isaiah chapter three, verses eight and nine. 
Isaiah chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. It says, Therefore Jerusalem is ruined, and Judah is fallen, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord, to provoke the eyes of his glory, the show of their countenance that witness against them. They declare their sin as Sodom. Nandun ulit si Sodom. They hide it not. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have awarded evil out of themselves. God said this, what had ruined his people. And I submit to you that it will be the ruin of America as surely as there is a God in glory. Isn't it? They did not hide their sin. They started out. It was in plain sight. Um, I don't know if you recall a week ago. I don't, I don't know why every Sunday uh, beginning January, there's always like some major things happening in the, the mainstream media of America. You know, today, there will be a Super Bowl, isn't it? Sunday. Tonight, actually. Uh, next weekend is like uh, NBA All-Star Weekend. So, on the weekends, there's something happening, you know, sports and entertainment. Oh, likewise, um, last Sunday was the 65th Grammy Awards. I don't know if you've heard about that. Uh, the sin of moral perversion, and they said, Satanic, demonic worship. Now, there are these uh, artists, they sang their hit single, Unholy. And it was really unholy scenario. Isn't it? It's like people are enjoying themselves and they put in their tweets and everything, it's a time for worship for someone. And they dress up like the devil, and all these women dress up like demons, you know, and hell on the background. It's really like, they, marami um, backlash. Because they are glorifying satanic, demonic worship and scenario. And for them, they said it's a form of art. It's just entertainment. You know? Nagmumukhang mga demonyito, demonyita, tsaka satanas. For them, it's an entertainment art. But you see national television too, ah, all over the world. And I, I saw comments from the Philippines, Australia, Ano nangyari sa Amerika? How did that happen? On a Sunday night, after probably Christians just went to church, you know? And then it was put up as a glorifying event, you know? Kaya sino mo naman nanonood sa atin ng mga award-award na yan, di ba? For mga self-conceited people, isn't it? Proud people. But of course, I, as I said before, God, no, the devil is using Hollywood for fame and everything, and they're, they're propagating their liberal agendas and everything. That's why, mamaya nga sa Super Bowl, sa halftime, will they use that for some political agenda again? Because it's a national, you know, stage. Millions of people are watching. So, it just saddened us. And we are saying, that's why tonight, if you're gonna watch the, watch the Super Bowl, there are evangelist, evangelical people that will put up Christian ad, two Christian ads, to try to combat that. You know, that Jesus is still a God that can forgive sins. That still love the sinner, not the sin. Isn't it? Because there's so much now trolling and hatred and back and forth and everything. But this guy, not all some are good. There are some bad some. Buti lang may good some dito, Samantha, you know. But like S. Harris, you know, that 
renowned atheist, it's a bad sum. No? Yung kumanta nung last Sunday sa Grammy, S. Smith. Smith? Yeah, meron siyang kapartner na, ano? Bad sum. You know? So, may good sums and bad sums. Amen? Aren't you glad you have two good sums here? <laughs> but, it's just sad, but how, how, how did they do that? Because they were blinded. And actually, the singer, he claimed to be um, gay 2018, then he changed to a transgender uh, after a year or two, and then now, non-binary na siya. <laughs> like, I mean, he just changed his lifestyle. So, you see what we're into now? And people look at them, millions of people admire them and say, oh, that's a good kind of art and entertainment that's happening in America. It's saddened and sickening. It's disgusting. But the Bible says they are blinded by the God of this world, the prince and the power of the air. For them, what we do is foolishness. The preaching of the cross is foolishness. But the Bible says for us is the power of God unto salvation. So a nation, is, it's, it's, it's been a warning happening right now. Who is sexually perverted is a nation on its last legs. Isn't it? You see that? I don't have to elaborate this. You know, the distinction, distinction about the traditional definition of marriage has been blurred. And then, it's not man or woman. Right? Sino, you can marry. Ayun nga, baka pati aso, pwede mo na. You know, for the sake, if you redefine the biblical definition, then you will open a can of worms. And we are evil, isn't it? We have a sinful nature. Like the, the, the days of Noah, like the days of Lot. So what do you think is the normal course of human if they will not look at the Bible for absolute truth and holiness? We will go to a downward spiral, isn't it? It's going to get worse and worse. So first thing is that there is this sexual perversion. Of course, you know, pornography is one of the billions of revenue happening. Isn't it? Before, it's just a magazine. You're even ashamed to buy it, you know? Now it's readily accessible for anybody, even children. Isn't it? So sad, so sickening. Because we're living in the last days. It is a perversion of a beautiful thing. You know? Do you think God is against sex? No. God is in favor of sex. God made man a sexual creature, as the Bible says. He made Adam and Eve and, said, and commanded them to replenish the earth, to enjoy uh, this gift in the bounds of marriage. Amen? It is very good. That's why when God says, flee fornication from his word. Isn't it? When he says and he obey, thou shalt not commit adultery in the Ten Commandments. When God says that, thou shalt not lie with men as with women. He's not trying to keep us from sex. He's trying to keep sex for us. It is God's wonderful gift. But the devil is always a pervert. He has no raw materials to work with. He can only take what is created by God, which comes from God, and then pervert it and twist it for his own benefit. It's like God invented music, isn't it? But the devil comes along and perverts it. The internet is invented, oh, not by God, amen? But Al Gore. <laughs> but the devil perverts this tool that can be used for good. So anything that God created that's good, that's neutral, the devil can take that and make it evil. Diba? That's why we have to wise up. Amen? Wise up and live from the word of God. So, what happened here? These people, they became sexually perverted in our text, then became, secondly, socially perverted. Not only sexually perverted, socially perverted. 
Look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them to a reprobate or decadent debased mind. Oh, if we don't have a reprobate-minded society today, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness and all the list of the sins that we had read a while ago. When man turns his back from God, he becomes not only sexually perverted, but socially perverted. The world becomes a madhouse, isn't it? And we live in our self-made cells. Lock ourselves in at night while the hoodlums and criminals roam. Huh? And riot and steal. Isn't it? And cause destruction and chaos in our streets while our wives and our daughters are afraid to go out at night. Walk up down the streets. Because we have that kind of mayhem like what we have today. Because of the abandonment of who God is. Man becomes sexually perverted, socially perverted. Then, lastly, he becomes spiritually perverted. Look at verse 32. Who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but they have the pleasure in them that do them. Sometimes we are guilty of this sin. We have to begin, we have begun to entertain ourselves. How do we entertain ourselves, even Christians? Like uh, sometimes we enjoy sitcoms about drunkenness and perversion, immorality, and adultery. Who's the desperate wives right now? Diba? <laughs> and may mga followers pa sila. And the devil has a pipeline right into our homes because not only we do these things, but the Bible says we have pleasure in them that do them. We make them the most admired people in America. You can quote me now. Watching people sin is sin. Amen? Watching people sin is sin because that's what the Bible says. Who are the pleasure in doing them? So even though you're not committing that sin, but you are entertained, have the pleasure of watching people sin, sin, then you're already sinning. Diba? Sabi na po ng Bible yan. So folks, we are brokenhearted for America. Listen to me. God's people need to get to their face before God Almighty in prayer. That's the whole scope of this chapter here. Yes, God will forgive. Amen? Because God is merciful. God is gracious. But look at this. In this prayer, three times in this chapter, God says that he gave them up. Gave them up. Gave them up. Do you know the worst thing? that God could do to America or an individual person or even a Christian that will not repent of their sin, harden their heart, continue to do that's evil in the sight of God, the very worst thing is that God will just leave us alone. God will give us up. Not just permissive, privately, but judicially speaking. Judicially speaking, God will just give us up. You know, Just say like, all right, You've got it, America. You've got it, person. Take your vices. Take your lust. You know, take your evolution. Take your abortion. Take it all. You've got it. So long. I hope that doesn't happen to America, that God will give us up. Because it says here, these people, God gave them up over and over again. So if there's a prayer, we ought to pray for God in our nation right now, for the sake of our children, is God will be merciful. Amen? Need some revival in America. 
it's time for us to seek the Lord. Because Romans says, Romans chapter 1 is being replayed in front of us, isn't it? As you read that from verses 18 to 32, there's a willful self-determination, wicked self-deception, and woeful self-destruction. Now, that's the bad news that makes the good news good. The good news, once again, is the gospel. That's why there's, I love Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe first. That's what Romans is about, the gospel. And the word gospel, as we all know, is good news. The good news that God can forgive. God already prepared a way for sin to be forgiven through the person of Jesus because of his sacrifice on the cross. That's the reason as long as God has a heart thumping in my chest, as long as God has given you life, as long as God gives you a voice, I want you to be a gospel witness. Amen? A gospel preacher. I want you to be able to clear it, to tell it clearly, plainly. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So let's bow our heads right now. We'd like to commit ourselves, our church, our community, America, to God right now to call sin what it is, sin. Isn't it? And not only that, to share the remedy. And the remedy is in Jesus. Every sin will be forgiven. He will come into your life. Radically, dramatically, and eternally change your heart. Put His Spirit in you. And He will not only change you, but He will empower you. And when it times to go to heaven to meet your Maker, or you die, or when Christ comes, He'll take, to he'll take you to heaven to be with Him for all eternity. That's the good news today that we can share. Yes, we are saddened, we are sickened by what's happening right now. It might not be the whole population of this great country, maybe a minority, but they have influence, they have impact. It's now time to show the world of a God who's not just a God of love, but also a holy, righteous, just God. So, let me speak to you, brethren. If the worst happens in America, if God is consistent with us, us with Sodom and Gomorrah, us with other nations who became sexually perverted, socially and spiritually perverted, if God is consistent with us, us with others, or if He spare our lives, we want to be the ones helping others get to to safety, get to the saving knowledge of the Lord, isn't it? I hope your prayer this morning is by God's grace. You want to pull drowning people to shore. I mean that spiritually speaking. You want to be used by God to pull drowning people to shore, not be in survival mode yourself. That's why we prepare, isn't it? We prepare our souls, we prepare our houses, we prepare our witness. Because the fields are white all around us. But you know what? They might begin to burn. And we are the one who hold the rope, their hope. So is there somebody in your heart, in your life, in your sphere of influence, you are burdened, you pray for? Before it's too late. Before they close their minds and their will to God. Maybe... You're the only one that God can use to reach out to them. Uh, may we be 
bold in our witness. As the Bible says, we see the day approaching when God has to judge. And if this not change, we're arrive to judgment. I, I, I just fear for the worst. Something will just happen. Catalytic make uh, speaking. But once again, if uh, God's people will pray, turn from their wicked ways and ask for God's mercy, then the Bible says He will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. He might still give us a glimpse of revival, a spark of revival, even if it's not the whole nation, but in a part of our world, if we will just submit to Him. If you're here today, um, I want to tell you, God hates sins because He's a God of righteousness. He has to punish it. He has to judge it. But I have good news for you. Christ, who loves you so much, took that punishment, took that sin. So it means the only way for you to be forgiven, to go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father to heaven except through me. And the wages of sin is death, separation from God forever. As the Bible declares in Romans 6.23, the penalty of sin is death. But it also says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Bible plainly teaches and proclaim that it's only Jesus that can forgive you of your sins, bring you to heaven when you die. Not religion, not your good works, not baptism, not this church, only Jesus, because He's the only one who lived a perfect life, who died for your sins. So if you're here today, you're not sure, you have eternal salvation, I want to urge you, why not trust Christ today? Call upon His name to save you. All you need to have is to believe that He died for you. He rose again. And He's the only one that can forgive you. So if you're here today, you haven't settled that, I beg you, call upon Jesus like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all my sins. I repent of all of it. And by faith, I receive you in my heart and life as my Lord and personal Savior. Thank you for saving me and help me to know you more. Live for you and serve you. In your name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer, a prayer of trusting Christ, calling upon His name to save you, let us know. We'll be more than happy to open the Bible and explain to you what you've done. For believers here, this is an admonition for us. You know, God is a holy, righteous God. Yes, He's a God of love, but He's also a God of wrath. He's a consuming fire. He wants us to live righteously. He wants us to live according to His law and commandments. And He will give us the grace to obey. And there's always blessing in obedience. Amen? Spiritual blessings, material blessings, and a life of peace and, and joy and happiness. Because, you know, deep in your heart, you're living according to God's will. It's the best place 
here on earth is the most secure place. It might be tough, it might be hard, but it's the best place for a Christian to be. Living in the will of God. Living and doing His will. So maybe that's your prayer today. Lord, I want to live in your will. I want to live by faith. I want to share my faith to others. Help me, Lord. I know the world is getting worse and worse. I'm concerned about my family, my children, my friends. Help me to be your instrument. Help me to be your witness to them. Here's my life, Lord. Use it. Make me your instrument of grace. Make me your vessel. Maybe that's your heart's desire today. I don't know. Um, you can pray in your seat or come here in the altar and give to God your burdens upon your heart. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you declared who you are in creation, in a God-given conscience. We truly have no excuse. We know, Lord, we have an enemy out there and he's very busy and subtle and working 24-7 to deceive men. But thank you, Lord, for your wonderful grace, for your saving power, that you save us from the penalty of sin, the power and pollution of sin, and one of these days, the presence of sin. But we still live in a sin-cursed world. We still live with temptations around us. We are bombarded with all this destruction and ideologies. And help us, Lord, to be, as you said in your word, to be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. Help us to be your light and salt in this darkened world because we might be the only one that thou wilt use so others will know about the truth and the devil just want them to live in a lie because it seems like it's convenient and seems like it's a happy place but we know Lord is a deception from hell and may you extend your mercy upon them and open their minds and their eyes of the truth but truly the truth will set us free. The truth will heal us and help us. It might hurt us, but it's good for us to live in the truth of God's word. Because that's where perfect sense of fulfillment and contentment can be found. In the truth of God's word. And Lord, be merciful to America and other nations who just, Lord, just allow things that are not good and evil to be good and right. Lord, um, as in the days of Noah and the days of Lot, you're still looking for a remnant, for righteous people that will stand between the gap so you will not destroy and you will continue, Lord, to extend your mercy. So, Lord, help us, Lord. Uh, I know we have folks here who have a burden in their hearts. Um, they have unsaved loved ones and friends and co-workers. Lord, may renew our witness before them. Lord, we're not here to judge them, but it's your word that will judge all men. And help us, Lord, to be able to warn them of the coming judgment, that they could escape it through the love of Christ that they can experience and feel today, Lord. So give us the wisdom, the courage, Lord, to do our part. And we're not here, Lord, to convert anybody, to save anybody, but we're here just to sow the seeds, to plant the seeds, to share the seeds of hope and forgiveness and love and mercy and grace. It's you, Lord, who will do the saving, the convicting. Just help us, Lord, to do our part, our job. And bless, Lord, uh, every heart here, every 
petition. We also pray for our folks who we uh, tremendously miss today because of sickness. May you raise them up. Touch them, Lord, with your healing hand. And thank you, Lord, that we can feel uh, their presence here, their prayers for us, their spirit, and help them, Lord, to be out of uh, that bed of sickness. Raise them up. Strengthen them to do your will. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.